Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I am joined by Chris Sherrod, Chris Legg, and Brent Starnes. This is Reconstructed Faith. Welcome back to the Reconstructed Faith podcast. My name is Colson Lechner, and alongside me today is Chris Legg in studio. That's it. That's all. Uh, and today we are going to be hitting on the topic of racism. Yeah. Kind of continuing on in our uh, series of Is the Bible Immoral? And I've heard you preach on mm-hmm. racism a little bit, and I think it'll be valuable for us to not only hear about this as a hot topic in our culture, right. but also what does the Bible say and how does this Bible speak to it or where is the law or the lack thereof? Right, right. Kind of thing. <clears throat> so I guess if somebody comes up to you and they're asking you this question, kind of right. what what kind of is your first thoughts? How do you kind of engage with well, it's it's interesting yes. because I feel like, and and some of this came out in our conversation on on slavery as well, um, because of the way slavery and race overlap here in the United States. Um, <clears throat> it's not necessary for slavery and race to overlap, but they do here, and they're inextricably linked here. And so, to talk about one, you're going to end up referencing the other one for right. sure. So that makes sense that we're kind of going into this next right. topic after talking about slavery. And I think also, even even more so than the topic of slavery, it, this is more about the sins of those who claimed Christ and then who sometimes used Scripture to defend their views, less than it is about what the Bible actually says. Yes. Um, because interestingly, the concept of race, and certainly of racism, like of of superiority of one race, and I just got a comment real quick. I'm, I don't like the term race to delineate humans. Because we um, are one race in that way? Yeah, we are the I human think, race. Yeah, we're the human race. And I, I actually think that's a better way of understanding. And and maybe someone might say, well, that's a privileged way of understanding. Um, and, and I certainly acknowledge that may be the case. I'm not dividing out that what we sometimes put under race isn't real. I think it is real. Um, there are cultural differences. There's historical differences. There's all types of experiential differences. And what people experience with that is real. And it isn't that the concept of ethnicity isn't discussed scripturally, because it is. It's just mostly in the New Testament, and mostly it is about Jew and Gentile. Um, and so we'll get there in a minute, and we'll talk about that a little bit, and and what the Christian perspective on the Jew and Gentile breakdown was. Um, uh, but but what's interesting is when it comes to the, the, the differences between humans based on ethnicity, um, the Bible is either silent— um, about what so much of what we deal with today, or <clears throat> it is clearly condemning of anything we would call racism. Um, meaning, and I'm, I'm going to use the, the classical definition of racism here, meaning um, the mistreatment of or a difference of opinion of, of someone based entirely on race or exclusively on race. And so um, that, that I, would, I would reach certain conclusions about an individual because of with no more information other than their ethnicity. Um, that would be racism. Or I would treat someone differently based on uh, nothing but their ethnicity. That would be racism. And and the, the the difficulty here is Christian Christianity was part of the foundation 
of the United States of America, and the Judeo-Christian ethic was part of the foundation. Um, that is, I mean, I, I don't think that's disputable. The problem is slavery was also part of the foundation, and ethnic slavery was also part of the foundation of the of the United States. And so those two get naturally uh, combined. They get integrated in ways that that they probably don't need to be integrated. They would not have normally been integrated, I guess I should say. Um, and then to make matters, to make that much, much worse, uh, sometimes the Bible was used to defend decisions about racism. Um, and and I, I think one after the other, if you look to the Bible, it doesn't even take like a Bible scholar that if someone says, well, yeah, go look at this passage, and you read that passage, and you say, there, there's just nothing there to defend this. There's nothing whatsoever. Um, so I want to go over some of the basic teachings in the Bible about what we might call race or ethnic differences. And keep in mind, the the Christian Bible is founded on the principle of a first couple, um, that there was this Adam and Eve character. There was this first couple that existed that were pulled, that were separated out or created independently. And so by definition, the Judeo-Christian worldview has to be that we all have a common descendant. Now, now there are plenty of people in modern Christianity who don't believe that anymore. They believe that that the that the account of Adam and Eve is 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 more mythical or an uh, or an analogy or or something like that, which is which may or may not be right. That's worthy of its own discussion at some point, maybe down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what our main point is here. Um, but but regardless, it should automatically undermine any of our concepts that it would be okay to be racist as a Jew or a Christian, because the belief is that we all would descend from the same couple. So, so what exactly are you doing when you're being racist, except saying, I, I am mistreating someone who is genetically related to me based on some single attribute, they're, they're, uh, some phenotype, some something about their genetics that shows on the surface. Um, and I think it's a silly concept. And I think the more we understand about genetics, yes, we can tell people's ethnic backgrounds from their genetics. But then what's been shocking is when we learn that two people from two different, quote, races are often more similar to each other genetically than two people within the same, quote, race. Really? <clears throat> um, I, I don't I don't know if I have the citation handy. I may by the end of the time we're talking. But um, when I was getting ready to teach on this, um, at one point, I discovered a, a study where three different geneticists had compared their own genes and discovered that that percentage basis, there was, um, I don't remember what the breakdown was, but two that were of different, uh, technically two different races were actually genetically percentage-wise more similar than two, than the two who were the same race. And so because race is race, ethnicity, what we would call ethnicity is, is one, only one part of our genetic makeup. And it's not as this unified factor. It just isn't. And and that's, it, for example, if it was, ask yourself, do you think you have more genetically in common with an African-American man or with an, a Caucasian woman? Well, there, there's bigger differences between male and female right? because race is not somehow the, the some defi- defining factor that, that overwhelms anything else. Anyway, <clears throat> well, that's and that, that, that makes sense. Well, okay, so... And this, I'm, you may be going to to talk about, so like, was the disdain of the, um, Israelites from like the Samaritans, was that racism? 
Okay, so or what did that? What was that? If we if we jump to the, the so that's jumping to New Testament. And, am I like? And, ju- am I focusing too narrowly? No, no, that's quite all right. It's an example of of an ethnic divide. But what's what the what's sad about that example is it's not primarily about ethnicity because they would have looked <clears> the same because they would probably. both be Jews. Yeah, one of them might be mixed with the Assyrians that where the so the Assyrians brought in people and and at one point and stationed them established them. this was a common thing we see the Babylonians did it the Assyrians did it probably the Egyptians did it like others where they would do these exile things where in an effort to destroy your culture they would bring in another culture of people and and just plant them in the middle of your community and so that's what happened in Israel is that the center part of Israel um, that the Assyrians planted other groups, other peoples there, and just said, you live here now, go with it. And so, of course, there was some intermarriage. And the more intermarriage there was, and then there was also some different practices. So you start getting this weird several hundred year back and forth that's pretty ugly between what were called the Samaritans and the Jews at the time. Um, and that lasted up until the time of Jesus, where it's like, well, you guys are not full-blooded Jews anymore, so you can't come to our temple and the Samaritans are saying, good, we don't need a temple. We have our own mountain, and we're building our own temple, and this is now our temple, and you can't come to our temple. And the Jews going, wait, you can't have a temple that's not our temple. And, and it just turned into this very, I mean, literally, people died in this back-and-forth conflict, and people were, they would, you know, attack or burn or, or each other's holy relics, and so for really? several hundred years, it was, it was really ugly. But the irony, or sad irony is, it was less about ethnicity, um, and more about the the you you've you've mixed and maybe you can't enter the temple because mixed remember Gentiles could only go into the Gentile court in the Jewish yeah. temple, and so are these Gentiles or are they Jews? Well, there a lot of them are probably Jews, but they identify as as the Samaritan group, and it became they have their own religion now, and it, it just became this ugly division huh. um, that was that was affected by ethnicity, but uh, and location where you lived. Uh, and some of it was not by choice. Obviously, they got moved around and stuff. Um, but it was it was just an error. It was a bad teaching of the Jewish people that may have said, maybe it was right for them to say, listen, if your mother isn't a Jew, which is how they define it, then you couldn't enter certain areas of the temple. But remember, God's teaching all through the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, was all about how well you treated sojourners. And so... People who the Assyrians brought in and stationed, hey, you got, you now get to live here. Well, they should have been treated as special people. Not, I mean, yeah, maybe they can't enter that one little section of the temple, um, and it is one little section of the temple that they mm-hmm. couldn't enter. But everything else, they should have been honored and and loved and treated with hospitality and and with with in anyway all the different things should have been there. And so there's a failure to follow the biblical principles that led to the Samaritan and Jewish divide. Okay. That we run into. So on top of that, we run into that. And but keep in mind, none of that is biblical, except maybe the people who aren't born of a Jewish mother can't enter this section of the temple. None of the rest of it is biblical. And that's actually it became this ugly division that Jesus, remember, the main purpose of scripture is this guy named Jesus. And Jesus kicks this whole thing in the teeth. He doesn't buy it. He doesn't believe it. He doesn't practice it. He ignores it and even defies it. So again, you're stuck with, even if you're going to say, wow, there's ethnicity, ethnic issues described as bad in the Bible. Okay, yeah, but Jesus fights them. 
He stands against them. He defies them. He uses the Samaritan as a the hero of a story. Mm-hmm. He goes and talks to a Samaritan woman at a well, um, at Jacob's well, and and uh, like he he walks straight through Samaria when he wants to go from one place to another. He didn't walk around it. Like he just defied these cultural principles yeah. of ethnic divide um, to the degree it was ethnic divide. He defied it and did not yeah. buy into it because I don't think. I don't think Jesus bought into this idea that humans needed to be mm. divided out this way. Right. So we're, so are there other, you were saying you wanted to visit some things. So we mentioned, uh, just looking back, some of the places where people used it to defend it. And we mentioned this in the last podcast. One was Cain, right? That Cain, that the mark of Cain was that he was somehow some kind of ethnic change. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and in fact, I was told that too, as a child, not by my parents, but by somebody else that, that God made Cain black, and that was his mark. Um, and there were people who taught that. But if you go back to Genesis 4, 15 and 16, where this passage comes from, the Lord said to him, Not so, if anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken in him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So what, what based on that passage, because it's the only time it's talked about here, indicates that, what God did was make Cain black. And that somehow that was a, and even if that was true, that that would somehow be a bad thing. Right. It literally just says he put a mark on Cain. Right. There's no. Nothing about every, So everything color, would just be an assumption. All assumption, all sup- supposition, all of it, 100%. So worthless Yeah. in this conversation. Mm-hmm. It, it literally is worthless. There's nothing there at all. Um, aside from the fact that now we know that the more ancient the more ancient the expression of humanity we find, the more likely they are to be either from the Fertile Crescent or from Africa, which Would neither be, of which are Caucasian. <laughs> so, so, so you wouldn't consider. You might consider the opposite if you yeah, were exactly. supposing something. If you were going to, if you were going to suppose it, you'd be better off betting that was, he was black or dark skinned, and God made him white. But even that is it's totally, totally right. fiction. Exactly, total fiction. Okay, so that's um, Genesis four fifteen and sixteen, right? And then of course we have the Tower of Babel, yes, which is Genesis eleven. Um, but here, what you have, so here's the passage. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Again, they would have all been apparently one ethnicity. This is deep Old Testament, right? Um, it is it is written in very mythical language. That doesn't I mean, it's myth. Um, I'm one of those who falls into the, I think this is what's called mytho-history, that's my opinion, mm-hmm. which means it's the type of speech that it is, is history told with the language of myth. Okay. <clears throat> um, uh, but the, um, it's, so this, this something happened, the historical event happened, and it's being told to us in language that, that the people of that era would have understood them, the, the, what's being told here. Okay. Um, but again, is there anything about that that passage that teaches ethnicity or color or anything we would call race. All we know is that he confused the languages. Confused the languages. So That's that has all we nothing have. to do with right. skin color or anything like that. As far as we know, yes, nothing. And there's nothing else within that story that would indicate that either. Nothing. Interesting. Um, so that's the Tower of Babel. Okay. Um, we also have, of course, the story of Noah. Um, so I did those out of order. Noah would be second okay. in order. So, and that's the story of Noah, the human race narrowed down to one family yes. um, of the known area, um, at least of culture at that time. And so that's in Genesis 9. So you have Shem, 
Ham, and Japheth. We talked a little bit about them the other day, I think, on the podcast. So right. Don't, Talking don't about to, the, air quotes, curse of Ham. That's right, the curse of Ham, um, which actually doesn't exist. Right. Again, we looked, looked at that. There's no such thing. There is a... There is something of a curse on Canaan, um, but but which is one of the sons of Ham, and Ham is the one who committed some kind of sin against his father, which again is tough for us to understand in today's language. But so here we go, Genesis nine eighteen through nineteen. The sons of Noah went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. This is the, historically, the idea is that, so Shem has a handful of sons. Um, these are the, allegedly the people of the Middle East and Southern Asia. Um, they're, there's, there's sons Eber, Elam, Asher, Lud, and Aram. And that each of these, as you follow them biblically, they kind of become these different ethnic groups. Um, so Eber's children, are, you know, that's the line of Abraham. So that's going to be the Jews. Um, Elam, <coughs> the Elamites, uh, east of Babylonia, the Assyri- Asher become the Assyrians, um, Lud becomes the Lydians, um, Aram becomes the Arameans of Syria and Mesopotamia. So these are all familiar. A lot of those sound familiar. Right. Like, oh, right. I've heard of those. Ham of the African races, Cush, Mizraim, Phut, uh, Canaan, and Sidon. Um, and so again, you have the people, uh, you go through those, and you can say Cush become the people of Central and Southern Arabia, Mizram become the Egyptians, F- Put or Foot becomes the North Africans and Libyans, the Canaan becomes the Canaanites, Sidon, uh, the people inhabit the Phoenician coast. So again, th- this is the way it played out and was understood in the Jewish world and the early Christian world. When we get to the end of that, even if you accept all of that as not as as, as something more historical than merely mytho-history or merely an account that made sense to the people of time, whatever. If you take this as very specific, literal history, which I'm totally fine with, what are you left with that implies that the races are divided out and somehow inferior or superior to each other? And the answer is, you don't. Yeah, there's no... Nothing. Yeah, there's nothing there. And, And... it's, you're also left with, so even if you do say, well, but Canaan, he's supposed to serve the others. Okay, fine. Then if you say Canaan and his offspring, which is not abundantly clear, but okay, I'll give you, Canaan and his offsprings are supposed to serve his brothers and the other sons. Well, that would be the Canaanites who lived in the Middle East in the land where, that we now call Israel, that area, and are not from Africa. Right. Um, they did not. Go to Africa, they did not invest in Africa. That's not where they're from. And so you would still be stuck with, even if you're going to make that case, you're still stuck with no case whatsoever, except, and here's what, and this is what strikes me as significant, except that they're all equal. That there isn't an authority structure built here. There isn't any of that. What you do have is later Abraham and his offspring being being chosen by God as a race that he is going to lead directly. Yeah. That's it. That's That's later. Okay. That does not leave you with somehow the children of Japheth, white people, somehow being superior to the children of Ham, people from Africa. Like you don't, that's just not there. Yeah. And so it's, it's really hard for me to understand how anyone in good faith, I believe they did, some of them did, 
but it's hard for me to understand how, in good faith, they did that. Um, and then, of course, we get into the intermarriage conversation, which was abused. Yeah. Oh, can I? Can yeah, I ask please you a question? do. Yeah, yeah. What is the idea? Is that idea that you were like the curse of Ham, that that was kind of handed down to black people? That just that whole notion yeah. is that an American notion? That's like, a good question. I or, think it's a Western okay. notion. Okay. And and I don't know of any, I don't know of any argument from it that was not used to defend already established either racism or ethnic divides. So okay, so it was just it was used to kind of prove it wasn't like. After something had yes, been established. Yes. Okay, cool. Okay, so you're, here's what's interesting. You're left with a weird circumstance historically. When I teach Bible history, it's kind of interesting um, because I often, I will, I will include in my Bible history class what's going on in other parts of the world. And so, <clears throat> but the, so the world did not technologically advance at the same pace um, for se- several reasons, um, whether it was necessity, we being the mother of invention. And so, you know, you're, you're, or, or whether it was freedom or whether it was resources, but the world did not, did not, every different part of our planet did not develop at the same pace technologically. So you, you've got uh, African and Native American and Native Australians who had not yet invented the wheel or pottery at the same time that you've got Western, some Western cultures, and they've got temples and philosophy and written language and and all kinds of technological advances. What happens when those two cultures, and that's what matters, is cultures run into each other. The Western culture is, is oh, we're superior. They're like animals because they're still dragging around their stuff themselves. We literally have now invented like chariots. And so the natural tendency was for the early, when those cultures ran into each other, was for certain cultures to see themselves as superior. I think probably what you would find is that when they did that, they then went to the Bible to explain this. And what made sense to them was, oh, these people are cursed, and they're lesser humans, and therefore they're supposed to serve us. Um, and there's but, that's, no, but that's being read into the passage. being read into the passage. It is not in the passage. There's nothing there at all. Again, unless you want to say the offspring of Canaan should be everyone's in the whole planet's service, uh, servants. The problem is there aren't really any Canaanites left, which is a bummer if you want free slavery. The people who allegedly you're going to try to defend should be your slaves don't exist anymore. So you just apply that to somebody else, um, which, is, which is abuse of yeah. Scripture. Um, okay. And that's, that's part of the... And then people start arguing about intermarriage. Okay. Which, you know, is again about purity of races, which just makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up when you right. hear that phrase. But, um, and they're taking it from different biblical passages like, you know, Deuteronomy 7, God tells his people, you shall not intermarry with them, talking about the people that they're going to meet in the promised land, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Now, here's what's vitally important to keep in mind is people go like, oh, see, racists should not intermarry from passages like that. One, clearly a passage, again, l- learn your hermeneutics, it matters, a passage clearly c- clearly given to a specific people at a specific time, and it's saying not to intermarry. Well, here's what's wild. 
Some of the people they're not supposed to intermarry with are also descendants of Shem. So they're the same... Same race. Race. Quote, race. Exactly. And so to say you're not supposed to intermarry with them clearly was not an issue of race, because they are the same race in Hebrew thinking. The problem is, and, and again, it's not like it's hidden. It explains in the passage why you're not supposed to intermarry right. with them. It has nothing to do with their ethnicity. It has to do with the fact they're going to turn that they worship other gods, and they're going to turn your heart away from me to these other gods. And we do see that over and over and over again. So, I mean, and wild. Sorry, just kind of continuing in that yes, vein. Sir. I mean, the idea of being quote in the Christian using Christianese being unequally yoked. Right. You know, it's not just a, that's not just an old abstract thought no. as far as somebody, you, you marrying somebody who has a different belief than you. Right. The Bible is clear that like, Hey, if you're a Christian, you follow, you follow me. You need to, you need to marry somebody who, if you can, yeah. you, you know, follows me. Right. Because if not, that's going to be hard for you. Yes. It's, 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 and that's what Paul talks about when in, in that passage. So you're referencing second Corinthians six. Yes. Um, uh, 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. What accord has Christ with Belial, uh, Belial, one of the names for the devil Okay. <clears throat> on, or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Um, and so, yeah, that is a, um, make sure I've got the, we've got the right reference here. I'm mm-hmm. sure, I'm sure that's right. But um, yeah, so the idea being we should not be intermarrying or partnering in that way, and that mm-hmm. passage seems to be, you know, kind of generally seems to be talking about that, but it would apply to other things as well. But why shouldn't we be? Well, because at the fundamental level, what we believe is different. At the foundational core of who we are, yeah, they're not the same. And so it's hard to, hard to mix those two things. It's hard to bring right. two, have two become one, when what the fundamental of one of them is is not the same as the fundamental yeah. of the other one. And so and we're not saying that if you if you are married and you find yourself after you know you are you are a married person who is a believer and your spouse is not a believer, that does not mean get out of the marriage. Oh, it doesn't. It actually like that. that passage that actually thing is talked about in Talks first Corinthians six exactly. and seven is what do you do when you find yourself one way or another married to a non-believer? And and Paul has very specific teaching about that yeah. um, on what to do there. So you can look there. But yeah, sorry, I'm getting us. So Not we were just talking though about intermarriage. Right, of, of different ethnicities. Yes. And so, what I would tell you is I believe the Bible is silent as yes. to it. I don't think the Bible references intermarrying in regards to ethnicity at all. Um, I think it's intermarrying in regards to nationality would make more sense, but nationality being Jewish nationality, meaning those who follow me. Um, and keep in mind, you see them intermarry regularly in Scripture. Yeah. And be honored for that. So Boaz, who is uh, Boaz, who is the descendant of a Jewish man marrying a non-Jewish woman, yeah. he then marries a non-Jewish woman, right. who then becomes the grandparent or great-grandparent, my math may be off, uh-huh. of King David, right. who is in the line of Jesus. And so the irony is, it isn't about the fact that Ruth is not dishonored because she's not Moabite. Jewish. Yeah. Right. She's Moabite. She is honored because of her faith, not dishonored because of her Moabiteness. Yeah. And this is Old Testament. And so, and the same thing is true with um uh with oh shoot. Uh 
Oh, the one in Joshua. Rahab. Okay. Um, that Rahab, uh, Rahab also from Jericho, um, not a Jew. And yet she is honored because of her faith and is included also in the lineage. I mean, that's Boaz's mom. Right. And so it's a, it's a fascinating picture of, okay, so clearly the biblical picture is not about intermarriage ethnicity. It's about intermarriage faith. Um, and that's what's being that the most important thing is not shared. That's going to make a marriage is hard enough without that kind of thing. Yeah. When we get into the New Testament, then we start having teaching that is rampant in the New Testament about the unification of the ethnicities. Now, what it's talking about all through is the ethnicity, the, the ethnicity of Jew versus Gentile, um, any Jew versus any Gentile. And that's that is all through the book of Romans is all about that. Um, Colossians mentions it in detail. In Colossians, you have that, here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. So three different, so Jew or Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, those are another way of saying Jew and Greek, mm-hmm. and then barbarian and Scythian. So no matter where you are on the education level, whether you're the top of the line or the bottom, you're just some, you know, whatever, no matter where you are, ethnic, ethnic perspective, it's irrelevant in Christ. Um, and we see that taught over and over again. In fact, again, in Ephesians, one of the strongest letters that Paul writes in chapter 2, he writes about this division being ended forever. Um, Christ has been preached to those who are near, the Jews, and to those who are far off, the Gentiles. All have been brought together in Christ. And so I referenced, uh, I think again in the last podcast, how much I love the Acts 8 Acts 9 and Acts 10 conversions mm. uh, of, you know, in Acts 9. Uh, in Acts 8, we have the account of the Ethiopian yeah. uh, and an exceptional Ethiopian. Um, in Acts 9, we get the conversion of the Apostle Paul, or from Saul to Paul. In Acts 10, we get the conversion of Cornelius, the, um, the Roman centurion. And I think that's absolutely intentional and I think is there to show us that the gospel is for all the sons of Ham and Shem and Japheth. Um, and I just, I think that's as clear as it can be through scripture. Um, and the problem is then you're stuck with this teaching. Um, if, if the, if I consider the stake in the heart of any Christian race, racism or race supremacism, supremacy, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. the idea that one race is supreme to the others, um, which is, absolutely unbiblical. Like, that's even more impossible to find. Um, And the thought that someone would use Scripture to defend racial supremacy is, if it wasn't for the centuries of horror, it would be laughable. Yeah. Um, And everyone who, who wrestles with this, who says, man, the church has really messed this up at times, you're right. Um, the church did mess this up, and the church has faced a lot of consequences for it. The founders messed this up, and and we have faced consequences for it, rightly mm. so. Um, and it's just, it's heartbreaking now to realize the pain and suffering that was caused, once again, through an abuse of Scripture. Not a use of it, but an abuse of it, not appropriate use. Um, I can find essentially nothing in the Bible that encourages anything that we would call racism by modern standards. I don't see it. Um, and, and you've got passages like, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Um, and so I think, I think this, this idea all through, um, that that's in 1 John, all through this, this idea, these ideas that, that 
that the love of Christ transcends any other division we would put in place. Um, and I think that's important to understand. But this is not, Christianity is not the white man's religion. Mm-hmm. In, in a weird way, unfortunately, the Western world conquered Christianity and took it as their own, or maybe as our own. Um, but that was never true Christianity. Christianity isn't conquered that way. Um, the, the, the following Christ, Christ either conquers you um, or, or you are conquered by yourself. You don't go out and conquer him. It's, a, it's not how that works. And so I think that's part of why we've seen so much abuse from this and other issues over time is that I just, I just don't see the concept. So sadly, I think that the deconstruction that people do is they connect <clears throat> racism to a culture and then they also link Christianity to that culture. Um, and they've seen how Christianity has been abused to defend racist thinking mm-hmm. or racism. And that's, it's unfortunate. It isn't the Bible's yeah. fault. Um, it isn't God's word that, that was wrong on this. It is us that is wrong on this. It's, it's humans that are wrong on this. Um, and, and so I think there's every reason to be offended by the way the church or people in the name of Christ have abused this over time. Um, I think that's totally appropriate to be offended by that. I don't. I think that's yet another good reason to deconstruct your faith in humans, though. Not right. Not necessarily scripture. Right. What else do we feel like? Is there another? Is there anything else here that we see? Um, like if 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 you are not. I mean, if, if you're not of the Jewish race, we all should be just super grateful that the right. gospel proceeded from the Jewish culture out into the whole world. But but I, I would go so far as to say that the Caucasian, you know, melatonin, no, not, melanin, melatonin, right, melatonin helps you go to sleep. Um, melanin difference is not significant. It doesn't mean anything. It means right. nothing. It offers no advantage in Christianity as yeah. biblically taught, none. Yeah. Um, if anyone had an advantage, it would be the Jewish culture, and that certainly is what so much of the New Testament is under is undoing, is reminding everybody: no, this is this gospel is for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's it, even keep in mind. So I just got a comment. Just keep in mind Please. that what made the the Jews so fascinating in sociologically, historically, is that they were really the first culture to come out and say, "It isn't that this is our God." It's that we are his people. Um, it isn't that we've chosen him, we've created him, we've made him, we've designed him. It's that we don't even particularly like him a lot of the time. We don't like this God. We fear him a lot. He seems really holy, and yet he's going to live with us. And, man, that doesn't always work out well for us. I'm not sure we're a fan of this. And God is saying, yeah, I didn't, I didn't ask. I'm telling you that I'm choosing you as my people. Um, the idea that they created this, no one would create a God like this. No one would do that. He's, he's so disappointing in some key ways. I mean, that from our perspective, not his, Yeah. but it just, you know, he lets them down when they want certain things from him. And, and so they were the first people that when, when people would show up and go, Oh, this is your God. Their answer would be like, no, 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 we're just his people. And, and that was a difference. They didn't create him. They didn't invent him. They didn't whatever. That's why you Mm. get that wonderful account of, uh, of Joshua walking out into the desert when they're around Jericho, and there's the, the big soldier that's magically standing there with right. the giant sword. And Joshua says, are you for us or for our enemies? And he says, neither one. <laughs> I, so I work for Yahweh. <laughs> right. Like, 
wait, doesn't that make you on our side? Like, nope, hopefully that makes you on my side. But right. that's not the direction that goes. Is God on your side? I mean, are you on his side would be a much more intelligent question. Huh. And I think, I think we run into that. That's so different from us. It isn't that God chose them because they were superior. It isn't yeah. God chose them because they were somehow better than everyone else. It's that God chose them because that's who God chose to choose. Yeah. And that's, that's his prerogative as, yeah. as God. He's not just another God in a, in a whole series. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask specifically about that is, and if I know this is a little bit unrelated, but why, why has there historically been so much disdain and anti or disdain for the Jewish people and like anti-Semitic, yeah, sentiment all over the world, not right. just in Germany or whatever? Like, is there is there historical reasoning behind that? Is this yeah. is it just hey, this is humanity? Part of it is yeah, this is humanity, and and we people want someone can to be blame. picked on. Yeah, okay. we want to blame. But part of it did proceed again from bad hermeneutics. Um, welcome to our friend bad hermeneutics. When when people began to blame the Jews for the death of Christ. Oh, okay. And so you, you know you have the, like the passage of of the Jewish people who are part of the execution of Christ, saying, you know, His blood be on us and on our children and our children's children. And calling down a curse on themselves, essentially. If Jesus is innocent, then we call a curse on ourselves. Um, And so, but you have the Romans doing the killing. um, And and Jesus clarifies that. I mean, Jesus clarifies, no one, I I lay down my life, no one takes it from me. So it's not like, you know, the Jews are somehow ultimately responsible for killing Jesus. It's not that the Romans are ultimately responsible for killing Jesus. Right. It's in weird ways. It's not even my sin that's ultimately responsible for killing Jesus. Although that would be a much, I would be a much better uh, target uh, than a, a race of people, an ethnic group of people. Um, the Romans had the authority. The Jews had the impetus. Certainly, that's part of the history of the story. Um, but but it wasn't just some guy dying on a cross. If that was right. the case, you go like, oh, the Romans did it. Like, yeah. But the truth is, he makes it very clear <coughs> that God the Father decided. You know, the the Godhead decided this is what we're going to do. Now we're going to redeem the race of mankind. This is the plan. And Jesus says, I lay my life down. No one could take how insulting the thought that the Romans or the Jews or my sin was powerful enough to force him onto the cross. No, Mm -hmm. he chose it. He's God. He didn't have to do any of this. So the final decision maker was him. He's the one who chose. I mean, I've heard you as you're you've unpacked some of the gospels and that, that is like Jesus is dragging everybody (laughs) to, to make it happen. Yes. Cause it's like, they can't make it happen. If I leave it up to you, this isn't going to happen. That's right. So I'm going to make this happen. Yes. So that I can redeem you. Yes. Yeah. Which again, and he didn't just come to redeem one ethnic group and he did not redeem one ethnic group in priority over another one. And so it's just, it's just, I think primarily we run into the, you know, bad hermeneutics as this explanation for, Oh, the Jews were Jesus killers. And and just like the early Romans, you know, the the, the Romans, actually later Romans, but mm-hmm. early Christians' experience was Romans blaming them for everything. Yep, that happened. And and that, that some of that stuff happened, and Christians got persecuted for stuff they didn't do. And then later, Christians did the same thing with Jews, and, and Christian nations did the same thing. Oh, they're horrible people. And it's just, I do believe it's primarily about people looking for an excuse. Now, there are advantages that the Jewish people have because they have followed God's plan. God gave them a bunch of rules and guidelines. And as is always the case, when you follow his rules and guidelines, generally you have advantages. 
And so uh, they do have some advantages, but a lot of times it's like, listen, you could choose the same advantages. No one's, <laughs> no one's right. making them do it and you not do it. Just right. pick the same, and which is a lot of what America did at first was choose these Judeo-Christian ethical guidelines. It's like, you know what, these seem to be working out for people who do them. Let's do these and see how that works. And, you know, for several hundred years, they worked pretty well for America. Um, these principles. Now, it's not a Christian nation per se, but right. these principles were there. Um, but I think a lot of anti-Semitism is about looking for someone to blame, looking for a scapegoat. It's been there at least since the medieval era. And sadly, early Christianity decided to, you know, to choose to not support, not not to do what Paul directly instructs, which is don't get arrogant about the fact that God has chosen you in addition to his people. Mm-hmm. Don't get arrogant about that. And I think exactly what happened to the church we got so arrogant. Four or five hundred was we got arrogant about it, and how how human of us? Oh my gosh, it's almost like we need someone to come from outside of us to save us. It's amazing, you know. If you didn't know better, anyway, <laughs> I, I I I grieve. I mean, I I truly hate and despise uh, racism and racist thought. And and at some point, maybe we can have a guest come in and talk about their experience with this because uh, I know this is radio, so you can't see me, but uh, I am. Uh, I score like a nine on the intersectional test. Yeah. Possible score of 100 and I scored it. And I don't even know where I got the nine points. I mean, I don't, I don't understand that. <laughs> so um, I don't, I don't score high there, but I I know what the Bible says about it. Right. And, and so we can discuss that. I think it'd be valuable at some point down the road to have uh, one of our brothers or sisters who has experienced the negative effects of racism to talk about that and how yeah. that's affected their construction, reconstruction or deconstruction of their faith too. Absolutely. Because you get mistreated by somebody and it's hard to take the, everything else they teach very seriously. Absolutely. Rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's, I think just looking at it from the Bible perspective, yeah, this is one where I feel like the Bible is not, does not prove, does not seem immoral, even from today's standards yeah. when it comes to ethnicity. Maybe on some of the others it does, but from today's standards... I just don't think it's in the Bible. I think it's been in the lives of people claiming it. Okay. My opinion. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructed Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up, trust God, search for answers.